Hi, I'm Adam Feinberg, and I, I uh, represent Harlem Stories, and we are a podcast, in case you haven't heard of any of our previous episodes, uh, we are a podcast specializing on the upper Manhattan market, and as a generalization, in Manhattan as a whole. Uh Today, we have uh, a special guest, Berto, and Berto uh, is in the title world. And Berto, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about yourself first before we talk about, uh, uh, you know, renovating a townhouse, but which is today's topic. But uh, Berto, I'm going to hand the mic on over to you. All right. I love talking about myself, so it works out just fine. Uh, Adam, thank you for having me. Yes, my name is Berto. I am the Executive Managing Director of Langdon Title Services. And yeah, I'm in, I'm in title insurance. That's what I do for a living. Uh, but I've been in real estate for about 13 years now. And um, you'd mentioned how I uh, got into real estate, I guess. You want me to go through that? Uh, yeah, we can do that quickly. Sure, yeah. Whatever yeah. you want. I mean, uh, instead of going through my professional background, I guess I'll talk about my real estate investing background. So I okay. bought my first, because it, it's, uh, you know, it, it pertains to this. I bought my first two family home while I was in college. So I was at Northeastern doing the internship program, but they paid you pretty well for a college kid. Nice. And I had saved up, um, you know, what was it? Maybe like $7,500 for closing cost. But back then it was uh, no money down. I got, ah. a, I got a no income, no asset loan. So they didn't check any W-2s or pay stubs, didn't check bank statements. I just needed to have a pulse and I got 100% financing and I bought my first two family home. Uh, ended up selling it, not making a lot of profit because the market crashed shortly after, but I got a taste for real estate. And uh, throughout that time, we started flipping some contracts, which was great. So I made a profit on flipping contracts with friends here in Brooklyn. And then I saw, uh, listening to a podcast as well to, uh, about real estate, Thought it was a good idea to, to get back into investing and i bought uh two houses at the same time one in tampa one in denver those were my first two purchases just because a newspaper article said top 10 cities for economic job growth <laughs> one was tampa number two was denver so i thought it was a good idea and it was a great idea and then eventually um ended up buying a home in newark uh two family in bushwick uh lake house upstate a house in miami and of course the brownstone that we live in now and, uh, and I've also invested as an LP in larger projects with many developers. And you know what? I think we might even, you know, ask you back, you know, coming in for other episodes and talking about real estate investing. So. Sure. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, uh, so you said that you, you have your current brownstone. Uh, yeah. You know, can you tell me a little bit about that and like how that came to be and, and your process and thinking in, in terms of, yeah. you know, purchasing a, a brownstone that was going to need quite a bit of work. Yeah, I think this is great for a lot of uh, your clients who might be interested in in having more space. They don't want to move to the suburbs because I absolutely did not, you know, uh, but I also couldn't afford a two or two and a half million dollar home. I mean, would it have been a stretch? I could have possibly done it, but I didn't want to put quarter million dollars down or half a million dollars down and then I'd be up to my neck in mortgage payments. So uh, we found... Um, a beautiful brick brownstone. It was probably, it looked like three apartments that had four mailboxes outside. So I don't know what they were doing inside. Ah, yeah, we see a lot of that in Harlem. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, and listen, if, if I was bootstrapping, like right out of college, the apartment was fine. 
I didn't need to renovate. It would have been okay, but it just, okay at best, you know. Gotcha. Very old house. It's about 110 years old. And, um, but I, you know, obviously being in the industry, I know a lot of loan officers. I know about construction loans. I knew I'd qualify. I'd already checked. So it worked out great. Uh, we bought it for about 1.15 million. We got a construction loan for up to 90%. So I only put 10% down, right? I put 10% down and I bought the house first. And then I refinanced with the construction loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't have to put any more money down, which is fantastic, you know? So 10% uh, down, I got the home, then refinanced again for the construction loan. So I had to pay closing costs twice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, closing costs twice when you do a SEMA, which is a whole other topic for yourself. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. I paid no mortgage tax. So I paid maybe an extra $10,000 in closing costs. But I saved myself $120,000 that I got to keep in my pocket, which is great. Um, and and just because you mentioned SEMA stands for Consolidation Extension Modification Agreement. Yep. And, you know, SEMAs are a great way to minimize your closing costs yep. in terms of uh, it's the uh, saving in mortgage tax. It's the mortgage tax. wildly tips. expensive in right. New York. So I, I probably saved myself a good fifteen. Uh, to $18,000 right there alone. So I I was happy to pay the closing cost again without the mortgage tax uh, and save and keep that extra money in my pocket because we need it for furnishing the house and, you know, all the other things we were doing. So we got about a $380,000 construction loan and I I still spent some money out of pocket just because it's our forever home and we, we balled out and got the hot tub and why not do the backyard? We, we, we were not going to do the backyard. My father-in-law was going to do it over the course of two years, and we were like, screw it. Let's do it. Let, let's get it all done. Yeah, we did everything. Finished the basement, you know, and just did everything. So uh, all in, I think we were, you know, probably close to 155. Okay. Um, but we we refinanced uh, into a 2% 30-year fix. And I don't care if it's fixed or not. I'll do an arm any day. Right. Because you're never going to keep the loan for that long. That just happened to be the best rate at the time. And we appraised for $2 million. Nice. So it was a great, great deal for us. So I think one of the questions that I know that, you know, many of the buyers that we get, you know, come into, you know, how much is this going to cost renovation wise? And, you know, uh, can you tell me about like what your thought process was when you were oh, yeah. looking at renovating and cost and, you know, what what kind of level finishes are going to cost what? Right, right. I mean, um, you know, we we found three contractors we had them price everything out and of course you want you just ask someone for a referral and you want to vet you know how quickly were they were they any extra hidden costs did they finish on time all, all the basic you, you could literally google what questions to ask a contractor no pop up mm-hmm. uh, so we found three reliable contractors uh, one specifically we saw a house he had already done we almost bought that house because <laughs> it was beautifully renovated with the old details that we liked mm-hmm. but it was on a main road and we didn't want to live on a main road with a child on the way. Uh, so we found him and he ha- he was surprisingly the best quote, just by a tiny bit at that time. And he was definitely our guy. Um, I, I, I remember the total cost for him being around uh, about, I think it was 350000 And then he would said, and if you want to do this, it's a little extra. If you want to do that, it's a little extra. And we wanted to do all of it. You know, we did all the bells and whistles. Yeah, we the, our steps were yellow bricks. It was like um, not uh, Wizard of Oz. I, I know those yellow bricks oh that my you're God. yeah tore those up, and they had this master like hands craftsman come and like hand spackle brand new brownstone steps. Beautiful. So we paid for all the little extra bells and whistles, and it was it was definitely worth it. 
Now, did you buy in like any kind of protected district or, or anything of that nature? No, it was just uh, just in, in Bed Stuy, right uh, right near the right near Broadway. So it's right in the corner of like Bushwick and Bed Stuy. Taxes were great. It was super low at the time. It's doubled since because of my renovations, but it's of still course. it's still I think it's forty four hundred, which is still not bad for what we have, you know. So actually, now that you brought that up uh, in terms of taxes, you know, it, it's one thing that we discuss with our buyers if they're buying something that it needs to be renovated, that is going to impact the tax you know component. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that. Uh, yes, it's like a, a kick in the gut. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the city. Um, you have to pull permits. Do not be one of these people that does construction without permits. You you think you're getting away with something in the long run, you're not. One is if you're if you can't do that unless you do all cash, right? Because a loan uh, a bank won't let you do that. But even if you try to be sneaking, you do it all cash. When you go to sell the property, you're going to run into a bunch of problems. And you're not going to be able to sell it unless someone agrees to also buy it all cash and not care. Right. It's a huge problem. Um, you'll have to go back and then find an architect and redraw plans and resubmit. It's way worse. Um, and so the city obviously will find out because you're pulling permits and they'll come and reassess. Yeah, not fun. You know, obviously it's a little different story if all you're do redoing is some finishes and, you know, that's a much smaller renovation. Oh, yeah. And But, you so, know, but if you're doing a major renovation, yeah, it's it's absolutely essential to pull those permits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we did a full gut right now. I mean, if you go to my Instagram, uh, maybe you'll post it, Adam. It's yeah. at Birdo and to Nano and we'll type it out. Some of the notes somewhere. You'll yeah. see in my highlight reels, there's heart one, heart two, heart three. There's 300 pictures and videos of the renovation. And when you see the gut process in the beginning, I mean, we tore this place up. It was just four brick sides. I, I, I kind of remember not the earliest stages, <laughs> you know, but I did, you know, like the mid, mid level stages at that cool. point. That was fun. <laughs> uh, awesome. So, you know, you, you said um, you went with a lot of bells and whistles. Can you tell me about the process? Any, any headaches that you might have had? Any challenges? And, you know. Well, we started construction during. Like COVID. We, bought, we, we closed two weeks before COVID lockdown. And one thing that was really interesting, and this is a hypothetical, this maybe did not happen in real life. I have to maybe say that for legal purposes. I, I understand. <laughs> we, we boarded up the windows and they started gutting during COVID. And as you remember, construction wasn't allowed. Right. So we couldn't get a dumpster outside. You couldn't pull the permit. You couldn't put it out there. So they literally tore up the top two stories mm -hmm. and put all the garbage in the bottom two stories. Gotcha. I mean, it was floor to ceiling, two stories worth of construction trash. You couldn't <laughs> even go downstairs. It was insane. Uh, and then fortunately, by that time, uh, oh, no, what they were doing is they would get in a pickup truck or like a van at night and just taking stuff out at night. Gotcha. It, it was wild. So that was interesting. Um, but besides that, I mean, things that people will incur now is just, you know, how they want to do the heating, how they want to do the plumbing, um, you know, and just, just choosing everything is, is a lot of work. It's going to be different for everyone. Uh, for us, we had an issue with the roof. Uh, it looked good, but it wasn't great. And because we planned on it being our home forever, we decided to, to redo the roof. Um, did you add a bulkhead? No, we did not. We didn't need one at that time. Mm -hmm. um, just because then you'd have to pull separate permits to, to gain the extra floor area uh, up there. Uh, but we do have one of those uh, attic stairs. So we do plan on gotcha. putting like a floating deck up there at some point. 
Gotcha. Yeah, but we're trying to put a speakeasy in the basement for now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, we're going to find like nice. a false store and make a, like a four-person speakeasy. It'll be cool. I was actually in a, a townhouse not too long ago. Actually, it was a modern construction. Oh, and they did it. one of those with the bookcase uh, the bookcase that's a hidden door. Oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, but besides that, um, as far as I can remember... Uh, oh, and leveling the floors, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, something that we, I guess, hadn't thought about at the time, but very happy we did. And our contractor was amazing. Those floors are solid. Uh, you met not a squeak throughout all the floors that he did. And like I said, it's a 110-year-old home. Gotcha. Understood. And, you know, some of the more expensive things. So, like, if you have an existing townhouse and you want to put, you know, the ductless, you know, air conditioning yeah, systems, I know that it's expensive. It might have been quite a bit cheaper if you're doing a full, a full gut job. You know, I know with a recent client, uh, they they did with the ductless and, you know, with they didn't really want to disturb much of the original 100-plus-year-old detail. So, obviously, it's not cheap to do that. And, you know, it's like uh, I want to say it was around eighty thousand dollars, you know, to you know to do those ductless systems. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and check the Excel sheet, but I, I remember it, that that was one of the highest numbers. Gotcha. I think it was maybe like fifty grand to do all of it, uh, but it's worth it uh, if if you know if you care about what your house looks like and not losing the, that you know um, height in every ceiling. So we have two on every floor. And they're perfectly hidden. You can't see a thing. We still have plenty of height. We hid one in the closet. One's above my daughter's bathroom because, you know, roofs are pitched. Right. So we were able to put in, in that area without losing height. And what was smart, architect's idea, uh, which is why it's nice to have an architect, right. is in the, in the parlor level. That's the highest ceilings that we have on our house. Which is typical of a yeah. yeah. He gave us the idea of doing two vertical ones. So we have a, a, a half bath. Uh, on that floor and they're on either side so we have two the, our two heating and ac units are vertical hidden in the walls you can't see a thing it's a genius idea nice yeah, looks great nice and in terms of uh timing i'm like i i know that these things don't necessarily happen all quick you were doing it during covid so or at least getting started in covid so you know that's certainly a, a you know a challenge that Hopefully we won't have again oh in the future, yeah. but um, but but the reality is like you know from the time that you closed until like the project was done, mm-hmm. about how long be you know for each phase like the you know the planning and drawing up with the architect all the plans and right I, I think uh, the architectural plans and drawing took a couple of months uh, just because there's revisions and you have to visit and things change a little bit uh, demo I think maybe took about two two and a half months. And then they just start getting to work. And it's, it's hard to encompass a time frame for all of that. But I think from what I remember, we moved in uh, that Jan- the following January. And we were living on the top two floors because they were basically done. And they were still finishing the bottom two. But overall, it took us a year and six months. So a year and a half, maybe eight months. I got to do the math. Okay. Uh, but that's fast. Yeah. For, for the roof, for four stories, for the basement, they redid uh, the whole backyard it was a concrete slab now it's not you know uh, and they redid the stairs in the front and fence and posts i mean they did a lot of work for for 16 months as well yeah and you know it's just good you know for the audience you know for especially those that are considering buying a townhouse mm-hmm. you know getting a sense of you know how long renovation co- you yeah. know renovation can take yeah 
And it can be significant. And it sounds like you were on a faster time frame, despite the fact that you had COVID obstacles. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not doing good math. 18 months is a year and a half. So it was 18 yeah. months. It was 18 months. Um, but we were, listen, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's work. You know, we showed up every week and we were pushing them constantly, you know, and to get things did done. Did you have a project manager? Um, no, I mean, our, just us and the architect and the contractor would meet every week. Okay. And a lot of contractors, I think a lot of them are the same, unless maybe they're a younger generation than us. Every note they take, they're like, oh, I got it in my head. I'm like, that does not work for me. Because <laughs> we would go back and they would forget. And this guy's fantastic. I, I love our contractor. He's amazing. But they got like four projects going on. I right. remember every detail. Architect recommended this. Uh, maybe, maybe my wife did. Great idea. We had a shared notes on our iPhones between all four of us. Every walkthrough, we'd put the notes in there with the little checkpoints, and that way we knew what needed to be done, and the contractor could check them off, architect could check them off. I think, honestly, that little thing moved things along faster uh, quite a bit. So it's great. So, you know, obviously, if you have a, a, a project manager, you know, it can move things along a little easier. Mm -hmm. But, you know, without a project manager, you know, being a little bit more proactive, it does require a little bit more of uh, of an owner's time. Yeah. But you can I'm sure you can save quite a bit of money without having that project manager. Yeah, I think our architect offered that um, and he, he, he helped a lot, but we didn't pay him for that service specifically. Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, I know when, when we first opened, you said, you know, it was a three-family, four mailboxes. Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Did you, um, did you need to change any classifications with the Department of Buildings? No. We, so it was legally a two-family. Okay. And we kept it as a two-family. Okay. I know that you're supposed to have a door that separates the, single, the, the two units. We did not. Inspector didn't say anything, which is great. Um, and I, I, just a, a quick story. Uh, they came in to finalize the inspection. And we had a hot plate in our architectural plans on the first floor apartment. And okay. you're supposed to be able to pass uh, as a kitchen with a hot electric hot plate. Sure. Inspector comes in, being a pain in the butt, just will not will not take it. He's like, you need a full working oven. I'm like, you got to be kidding me because the house is done. I'm not ripping out a wall to put in an oven to get my, my thing. So I walk down the street. I know that there's an appliance store there, <laughs> you know, and I'm talking to the guys. I'm like, and I'm saying all this in Spanish. I'm like... Listen, I know this sounds weird, but I need to borrow an oven. He's like, and he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I need to borrow an oven for like two hours. I gave him my idea. I was like, you hold this because I'm coming back. You see me every day, right, walking across here. I gave him $200 and a wheelie cart. I took the oven to my house. I put it in the laundry room. Inspector comes by and he goes to check it. And when he, he says it needs to be working. Now, keep in mind, it's in my laundry room. There's a washer dryer and an oven. It's the stupidest looking thing <laughs> I've ever seen. And when he goes to to try to turn it on, I yell at him. I'm like, no, 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 you can't walk into that room. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I just put those tiles down. They're fresh tiles. You'll ruin our floors. Rolls his eyes, takes a picture from afar, walks out. We keep our two-family CFO, and I wheel the oven back. It nice. wasn't working. It wasn't even plugged in. You know? <laughs> I just left it there. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that's a, a great analogy for, <laughs> you know, working with the DOB. Sometimes it's kind of crazy and chaotic. Yeah. Don't want to necessarily say anything bad there, but uh, I've had my challenges with the DOB, you know, oh just God, yeah. managing a condo building, let alone, you know, on a renovation where yeah. you're dealing with that. Um, so, yeah, we, we've seen some, you know, really crazy things. An important thing to note on for timing mm -hmm. is... If you do not move, and there's there's other criteria, but this is the main one. If you do not move where 
the plumbing is for the kitchens and the bathrooms, you can just do an alt too. So even though we spent a ton of money and gutted this place for a year and a half, it was only considered interior alterations, gotcha. which makes your permitting so much faster. And every kitchen is now where the bathroom is and every bathroom is now where the kitchen is. So we swapped them for space but the permitting saved us a ton of time and money. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways to you know, save time and money and, and complications in the process. Mm -hmm. And certainly working with the right architect and, and knowledgeable contractors, yeah. you know, that really makes all the difference in the world in, in terms of these renovations. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, like the DOB, you know, like some of these things I can tell you, if you're looking at like one and two families, uh, specific, more even more specifically one families, uh, they're not as stringently applied these these standards uh, as if you know with three and four families. So once you start getting into the three four different, different plus family you know component, the DOB is going to you know certainly have you know much harsher scrutinies. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so sure. that, that's certainly one thing that you know that we get into the you know the component. Um, and, uh, you know, now that you're, you're in, you know, the home in terms of routine maintenance, I'm like, what have you given oh, yeah. thought to and, <laughs> uh, things happen for sure. Right. Uh, one thing that I, I always forget to do is to change my air filters. Uh, but the new units are great. You don't even have to change them. You remove them, you, you rinse them off with like the little sprayer in your kitchen sink. You let them dry for 30 minutes. You can throw them back in. Nice. Uh, so that's one thing we had to do. Uh, in the winter, we they forgot to put in a shutoff valve, but they came back and did it, uh, which was nice. So our laundry room sticks out of the brownstone, okay. so it just gets a lot colder in there. It's gotcha. like a bulkhead little thing, you know? So if I see that it's going to be under, you know, 35 degrees, I just turn the valve, make sure the water turns off. Um, you know, mosquitoes in the backyard, mice. We've had a rat in our sub-pump room. Ugh. Uh, yeah, you know, just things like that happen. It's New York City, so like we got to call a, you know, um, what's it called? The, the rat killer guy, oh. exterminator. Yes. So we had to call an exterminator. Um, I think those have been the main things. You know, uh, we're very fortunate. Our plumber and electrician live across the street. Nice. So, <laughs> so I'll call them over. They'll come fix a few things every once in a while. Uh, but that's that's part of having a brownstone. You know, there's, and, no, there's and, no maintenance people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In terms of and and you know, oh, you know, running and owning your own building, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, you are responsible for certain things. So, for mm -hmm. instance, you know, we didn't really see, see any significant snow this this winter, oh. but but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're responsible for clearing your own uh, walkways. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, got a shovel, throw down some salt. You know, if it gets bad, like I remember the first year it snowed a bunch. We There's a guy down the street that will do it for us because I wasn't home, you know, right. some of the times. Uh, but if I'm home, I'll run out and do it real quick. And, and uh, you know, I guess insurance, you know, in, you know, one of the things that, you know, is important in a townhouse, especially those that have, you know, those details from 100 years back. Uh, insurance is a is a big deal in, yeah. our, in a townhouse. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about your process of selecting insurance and what you went through? And sure. I mean, uh, and, and speaking of you reminded me because I, I was considering making a claim, but I never needed to. Our sub pump got clogged one time. And we had about an inch of water in the basement. Thankfully, it was only an inch. I got to it immediately. Um, and nothing, no mold, no problems. But it was a ton of cleaning. And that sucked. Right. 
but I didn't want to put through a claim because it just makes insurance uh, a super headache. But I, I always call my buddy Brad at USI. He's fantastic. Um, sometimes he'll be the cheapest. Sometimes he might not be. And he'll tell you either way. Uh, but it's the proper coverage because anyone can be like, listen, I'll, I'll save you $500 on insurance, but you don't read the fine print. It's like, sure, I can get cheaper health insurance, but if it doesn't cover this operation and this problem, you know, of course it's cheaper. Right. Uh, so Brad's really good about that. Um, I just and with townhouses, especially those with, you know, historic details mm -hmm. in it, you know, that's not a generalized insurance policy, right? Right. Because you can you can get uh, coverage uh, to replace things, but not if it's a unique feature. Like we have a bunch of very unique features. We have a ton of old details that we've got from other brownstones, from other salvage yards uh, that, that you won't find anymore. So they'll replace it uh, at, a, at a very specific or, or different cost than any other insurance carrier. Mm -hmm. And they'll put us in an equal like room or hotel or Airbnb mm -hmm. and, you know, not just some random place in the meantime. So it's important. Yeah, that's important because uh, one of my clients, I, I sold them a townhouse last year and, you know, the, you know, they were both pleased and obviously, you know, not as pleased when they when they found out the cost, of course. But um, but when they found out that they're for insurance purposes, their home appraised twice what they just paid for it. So, you know, that was because it was replacement value. And, mm -hmm. you know, and obviously there was a lot of original details in this house yeah. that you just cannot easily readily replace. So, yeah. you know, you know, when you buy something for two seven to eight and it's appraising closer to, to uh, six million as replacement value you know that's obviously a big difference when it comes yeah, to insurance so rough. you know that's what I know one of the concerns that you know that you know a lot of people don't necessarily think about mm -hmm. when they're shopping and buying townhouses so it's uh, I mean you, you're gonna pay insurance no matter what obviously it's gonna be a little more on a, on a brownstone mm -hmm. um, you know but it's uh, it's worth having the space you know, especially if you're planning on having kids or, you know, wh whatever reason it might be. You want to rent out the bottom unit so, you know, and build wealth and equity. It's all worth it in the long run. And as in the case of two or three family homes, obviously potential income opportunities mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you think you, the audience would be interested to know about the process that you went through? And uh, I'm not really sure, uh, you know. Find a good architect, find a good contractor, you know, um, hope for the best, expect the worst. <laughs> In the end, it's, uh, I believe that if if you have a well thought out plan with the right people, that uh, obviously one of those is really important is having a good broker to show you the good, the, the area that you're looking for, the best opportunities in that area. Uh, make sure that you're getting a good price and making a, a good offer. Obviously you can provide after uh, ARV values after repair values, which is what, if you get a construction loan, what they'll use. They'll use your architectural plans uh, and appraise it for what it will be in the future. So obviously that it's important to have a good broker to help you with all of those things. And in the end, you'll have equity. And that's obviously what we're all looking for in the future. All right. That sounds great. And, you know, Berta, thank you for your time on Absolutely. this episode. And, uh, you know, my name is Adam Feinberg and this is Harlem Stories. Thank you for your time listening. Awesome.